Welcome to the Chad Marketing Podcast, your number one place to learn actionable strategies and tips that help you have more profitable conversations with your customers. This podcast is here to help you grow your business by better understanding your customers, speak to them on another level, and grasp the opportunities that lie in the chat marketing industry. And now, let's get chatting with your host, live from Melbourne, Australia, successful chat marketer and entrepreneur, Dan Pinney. Hello, folks, and welcome to episode 10 of the Chat Marketing Podcast. This week's guest is Atrilsi. I'm not even going to try and pronounce her surname because as you listen in the episode, I already botched that up at least once. But Trilsi is from TBS Marketing in Costa Rica. And her specialty lies in uniting the different departments across organizations to get on board with the communication strategies that her company implements. And this is a really interesting space because businesses can struggle to get their head around how chat marketing can fit into their businesses. So if you're battling with that, then you're going to get a lot of value out of this episode. We also touch on how she got results for a brand named Gymnasium and we peel the curtain back on how the Manichat community has helped not only her business grow, but also her grow as a person. Lots of little nuggets of value in here, so let's jump into our chat with Chelsea of TBS Marketing. All right, folks, we know that all good things come in packages of three. We've got the three musketeers, the three blind mice, the members of Destiny Child and Hanson, and of course, the bot blondes. And I'm very excited to be able to chat today to the last member of the dynamic trio, the Bot Blondes, Trilce Hiron Gira. I've, I've absolutely botched it. I've, 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 I was, we were chatting before this saying, how bad am I going to pronounce your name? But Trilce, welcome to the Chat Marketing Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, I apologize for our lack of Australian vernacular, being able to get our <laughs> head around pronouncing any South American style of name, but it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, we were chatting beforehand uh, about conversations and about your presentation and um, the system that you've generated for clients out there. And I'm really excited to be able to chat through that. But firstly, before we get there, can you give us a little bit about a little bit of a background um, into you and, and how you eventually ended up in this chat space. Yeah, so it was basically out of spite because I was looking for a chatbot for my family's company and they charged me like $4,000 for a chatbot. I am an industrial design engineer, so I was like, you know what? I went to engineering school. I can figure out how to do this. So I took to Google. I found another company that was not many chat spent a total of 15 seconds in there because the UX was horrible. Mm. And as soon as I opened ManyChat, that was the end of me and for me. <laughs> so how, in, in what space were you, um, were you in there where you were, what was your role that you were like, I hired this company and then you went and figured it out yourself. Was there, was there a thought pattern that went through to be like, I need to focus on this more. <laughs> okay, so I was the marketing assistant. Um, basically, my grandpa was really cheap. So the company, the, the company that my family owns has been in business for over 120 years. And it, it is very big, but we come from wow. Jewish people. So that means not spending money. So he needed someone to design the website. And he was like, you know what? Trilcita, she studies something with design. We're just going to bring her into the company now. Uh, and she'll do the website for us. So I started out as a, let's say, freelance website designer for the company. 
and I loved it. I figured out I love uh, taking people's money. So I got into marketing. <laughs> I became the marketing assistant. And turns out I was really good at creating strategies and creating campaigns and creating things that improved sales. So my first experience with sales in a large digital scale was when I wanted to boost an ad. And yes, I know with a booble, with a booble, <laughs> with a blue button on Facebook, that is like the boost thing. I know that's a no, no, but it was back then in 2012. Yeah. So forgive me. I was young and naive <laughs> and my grandpa, I told him like, Hey, can we do a campaign in Facebook? And he was like, you know what? That's not going to work. And I was like, I can prove it to you that it can. So here we have a very big newspaper where he always did his ads. So just to give you like a ballpark figure, um, a newspaper ad here in the, um, in the Sunday edition, like a full front page can be up to $20,000. Wow. So he did a $15,000 ad on the newspaper and he gave me $140. <laughs> and he told me, you're getting $140 and you're launching your ad a week after the newspaper ad. So I was just set to fail, right? <laughs> Turns out his newspaper ad barely made it clear, barely got the return. And then my $140 made nearly double what the newspaper ad did. <laughs> so of course, then it was his idea. He was the genius behind it. And of course, that's how it happens. So <laughs> that's how I got started into the whole social media marketing world. And guess who was the one in charge of answering Facebook Messenger? Ah. Follow on. <laughs> So yes. I was like, I can't do this. We're getting too many repetitive uh, questions. There has to be something for this. And that's where I started figuring out, like, we can hire a programmer because back then there was, like, nothing on the, um, on the, on the world people talked about, about chatbots. It was just, like, a very taboo-ish kind of thing. Mm. So that, that's how. That's the why. Yeah, and particularly because when it first started out, chatbots were like oh we don't want we want it to be humanized and you know we don't want to be too robotic and stuff like mm -hmm. that and and i think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that the word bot means it's going to be a horrible experience exactly. um for people out there so taking that first step is a big leap and it still is a big leap for a lot of people but mm -hmm. now right i mean you think of uh, and what what were some of the first automations and messages that you set up when you first jumped into the chat space? Oh, do we have to talk? Oh, wow. Okay. So this is a big no, no. So for everyone listening, just don't do what I did because <laughs> it was horrible. So my first automations, they were very simple. I set up a contact address and just like general working hours automation, but a week into many chat. And this is before the flow builders who just mm -hmm. imagine the, the whole web of nodes you had to do. Um, I wanted to make a quiz, what your perfect mattress is. So I asked people if they were fat. I, I yeah. And of course no one answered. <laughs> like 95% of people that went through that node started the quiz and only 5% carried on after I asked them if they were fat. Oh, no. I mean, it was not written in any offensive kind of way. It was just like, hey, if you're big, you need a specific mattress. And how, yeah. how much do you weigh? So, of course, that was horrible. Um, 
And that was my first introduction into neuromarketing and consumer psychology. So I changed it to it introducing himself as a character because he was the company's character. Everyone knew the character for decades. So he, JJ, was asking like, hey, just between us friends, could you tell me how much do you wait so we can offer the perfect option? And everyone was like, yes, of course. So mm. that was just like, mm-hmm. so don't do what I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a fascinating um, insight and probably a good link to um, more about what I want to chat to today and the consumer psychology space. And now your expertise is trying to continue conversations by using language, by understanding people and by chatting to them on a level that that conversation continues and, and hopefully eventually ends up profitable, right? So can you tell us a little bit more about consumer psychology and how you've implemented that into your chat marketing? Okie dokie. I think there's a lot of, of weird info out there. The question I get the most is what your marketing books do you recommend? The problem is that neuromarketing books are for a different type of psychology. They're not written for chat. They're not mm. written for chatbots, for automations, for that type of communication. So what I always tell people is the way to figure out the consumer journey, the consumer experience, the psychology of it all is to listen. Sit down with the salespeople, sit down in the store, or just sit through the phone calls, like listen to the phone calls and see how the sales agents, the most experienced ones, ask their customers for information. What are they willing to say? What are they not willing to say? Um, Because they are the ones who actually know how to get that information out of the clients. So don't talk to the managers. Don't talk to the owners because they don't know how to talk to their clients. They're just higher-ups. They're bosses. They're not on the floor talking to the clients. So the best way to apply consumer psychology is to see how salespeople twist the customer's minds into purchasing live. Like when I'm face to face with someone, how do I get them to purchase? And once you understand the psychology of a specific product, then you can implement it into chat. For example, the psychology of mattresses, just to give like a very um, hands-on experience thing. So the psychology of mattresses is that everyone thinks they know what they want, but they know they're not experts in the matter. So most sales agents just lure people into the most expensive option. Like that's just a general uh, rule of thumb with mattresses. So people have gotten really good with their questions. So once you understand what they're asking, do they include transport? Is this good for my weight? Um, Is this going to help with my back pain? Blah, 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 blah. And you see how they are willing to reply to that, how they're willing to ask for that then you see if they're uncomfortable or not with a specific question and answer. For example, budget. It's not the same to sell a t-shirt than to sell a $1,000 mattress, right? Mm -hmm. So you can see in the people's eyes when you're live or sense in their tones of voice if they're really lying about their price point. So you get to see how they are handling those questions, how they are portraying their bodies and like their faces with those answers And now you know how to ask. If you get really uncomfortable with question A, then you find a way to ask it that is not going to be up to the jugular. And if they are very freely giving you information, then you ask for it up front. For example, they all tell you if they have back pain or not. That's not going to make anyone uncomfortable. So you just ask them yes or no. But for something a bit more private, like your weight, your budget, 
uh, do you sleep with a partner, you do it in a way that is not going to be personal. You introduce a character, you introduce some sort of bridge or something that is going to make them know that nobody cares about what they answer. Nobody, and let's say nobody in a very chat body sense, because of course somebody is going to be reading it, but it's just a bot that is asking it. So it's just like, eh, whatever, I might as well tell them. So how do you gather that information at the start? Like, do you, when you work with clients, do you sit down and like I said, do you listen to the actual sales calls? Do you do that research? Um, and actually maybe that might be a good link to, to your system, the Frank system. Um, and the R part of Frank, I'm sorry to skip the F, um, <laughs> but the R part is, is research, right? Yes. So basically we like to consider ourselves part of our client's company. Um, just a little fun fact, like every single year we get invited to every Christmas party because we like to be friends with all of our clients, employees, with their um, office members and everyone. So we sit down with them for a few days or a few hours, depending on the, on the type of client and depending on how much they need us to do. So for example, with a dermatologist, I'm not a doctor. I don't need to know much about that because I'm not going to be tackling the questions. Yep. So you just need to be there. For let's say two to three hours to see how the receptionists take the calls, how the system works, how they get from point A to point sale, and then you leave. But for a, let's say a restaurant that you really want to get the personality of the restaurant, mm. what people experience when they go, you have to stay there for the whole day and just go on a Monday where no one's there, go on a Friday, go on a Sunday where the families are there, when the families are there. So you do that and you keep on visiting. You keep on going. You go and have dinner at your client's restaurant one day. You go and get a facial at your client's clinic. You get to experience the services. Most of our clients are always willing to provide a free service or a free meal or a free something for you to experience that. They're not going to say no because they know it's better for their system that you're programming. And if they say no, I think it's an investment to pay for it yourself. So if they're like, oh, you know what? We're really low in sales right now. We can't afford to do that. You know what? It's no problem. I will pay for my own procedure, for my own meal, for whatever. Mm. And they appreciate that so much. You really become part of the family and you get to understand if they're struggling, if they're going through some issues, how you can help fix it. And then how do technically, how would you then implement some of the questions and the answers and the ability to understand the context of what people are asking in chatbots? How do you then bring that to life in the chat space? I think that's really a matter of trial and error because no matter what type of system you, you build, you can make the best bot ever and have it flop yeah. because yeah. the audience was just not ready for that type of integration. So I think that the best part to start with is always the frequently asked questions, but not about the service, but about the place. So for example, where are you located? Where are your opening hours? How do I talk to you? And an amazing default reply that sends good morning in the morning, good afternoon in the afternoon, good night at night. And it even differentiates via conditionals if it's on the weekend, work days, work nights, or non-work nights. Because that way you can tell people we'll be back with you tomorrow or we'll be back with you on Monday you know what, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but our team is already at home sleeping. They will take care of you first thing in the morning. So you do the guilt tripping thing. So that always works really well. And then you start testing out different flows. 
So for example, a restaurant, Mexican restaurant, let's say. So you integrate the personality of the restaurant and some very niche words into your flow. It's very basic, like restaurant locations, menu, blah, 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 blah. You add uh, sequences for offers, but always keeping in mind the personality that you're going to be giving this bot. Once you create the character, which should be your first step, and you do the character's persona, and that can be, what's their name? Where do they live? Do they use curse words? Are they sarcastic? Are they a Pisces or a Leo or an Aries? Like just go crazy creating your character's persona. Mm -hmm. And once you have that, you start thinking like the character and you just start writing like the character. So you're imagining yourself as this fictional digital being talking to people and you're like, okay, so if I am JJ or if I am Frida Antonia and Pedro Emilio, how would I talk to people? I would first, if I'm a puppy, for example, for the, for the dream workshop, if I'm a puppy selling mattresses, I'm going to show people I'm a puppy on a mattress. <laughs> that's going to be my image card, right? That's going to be what they see when they come in. And then I'm going to ask them if they would like me to guide them through a quiz guided by puppies. So they say, yes. So how is the puppy going to ask for this? Do you go to sleep as fast as me? Or do you toss around like my sister? Things that are very in character. And then it just makes sense. The entire flow of the story makes sense. I'm not going to ask people, um, are you a fast sleeper or not? No, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a puppy. I'm a dog. I'm going, what do dogs do when they go to bed? Some of them turn around in a circle. Some just fall and go to bed immediately. So you get to implement that. And then you start saying like, oh, okay, so we added this quiz. People didn't really love it much. So I'm going to tweak it for a little bit. Um, maybe they were asking for a pillow quiz instead of this one. So I'm going to add that one and let them choose their journey. So just take into consideration that building a bot is not a one-time thing. And I know, I know, I know there are some companies out there that do one-time bots and they do really well. I can't. I hate that type of service yeah. because I feel like I'm not helping them long term. It's just like a solution for a couple of months. Yeah, yeah, and, and it might just solve an, an immediate problem that that mm -hmm. they have, but it's not the overall business, and it's not going to move the needle in the long term. Um, exactly. Fascinated with creating a, a character for your chatbots, and have you noticed? Like, were you doing this from the start, or did you? what prompted you to choose characters um, and, and to have more of a personality as to, like you said, if you chatted to the bosses and the managers, they probably would have said, this is our tone of voice and we need to be professional and we need to say this and we need to say that. Mm -hmm. Why is it important to choose the, the, the former, the character um, format as opposed to just sticking with a branded voice in the chat marketing space? Okay, branded voices are bullshit <laughs> because they work at a corporate level and they work when you're doing ads. They work when you're doing blog copy and it's not bullshit in that space. It's ideal and it's perfect in that. But the tone of voice for copy for ads for blogs is not the way you talk to people. Yep. It's not the way you have a conversation. It's not the way you make friends. So you want to make friends. What is going to be the best way for people to fall in love with your brand? So the thing that I love the most about, I would say 90% of my chatbots is that 
older ladies start talking to the character. So we've had a bunch of older ladies on Facebook who start talking to the characters. With the puppies, we get it a lot. Oh, you two are so cute. I can't wait to meet you. I'm going to go to the factory to see if you're there. And you're like, (laughs) ma'am. This is an automated response, but fine. And the way that you create that, you build that, is by doing a character that wants to make friends. And making friends is not the same for everyone. I'm really sarcastic. I'm really nerdy. I am a Star Trek ultra geek. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a very loyal person, but I'm very direct. So I know I polarize people. So the way I make friends is totally different from Lauren's or Angela's. Everyone likes Angela. Some people like Lauren. Some people like me. <laughs> so you need to take into consideration that this is going to be the way the company makes long-term friends. And that's not going to be by using their brand voice. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's such a great way to explain it. When, uh, during your presentation in conversations that I caught and and like I said, the, um, you could tell by how popular a, a, um, presentation was by how fast the chat was moving or whether or not it broke the system, um, a little bit as well. But, um, there was a lot of people, um, from a, a bunch of different backgrounds as well, obviously a background's Costa Rican as well. So it's, um, great to have the Spanish culture represented, um, through many chat and, and they had the Spanish room as well. In your presentation, you spoke about the Frank system and you had a couple of examples, case studies uh, that you presented as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that and break that down and, um, and talk maybe about, I'm fascinated to hear about the Gold's Gym example. Awesome. Okay. So we got the Gold's Gym franchise about two years ago. And like I, I told you before this, like I make friends out of my clients uh, so much that even the owner's daughter, she's now one of my closest friends, one of my best friends. Wow. Her to death. And that's such um, a big brand. Like it's, it's, it's a world renowned brand. <laughs> like, you know, it's not just a, it's not just a little, you know, um, once off gym, uh, local down the road. Like this mm-hmm. is, this is a household name for, for gyms yeah. all around the globe. So, mm-hmm. um, that's amazing that you've been able to gather that relationship. Can I ask how that started or how you, presented oh, this solution to them okay so i used to go to gold's gym here and uh, the trainer he was my trainer he was really concerned i had left the gym like two years uh before because i started uni and the technological institute of costa rica is is home of a lot of trauma because it's an engineering school mm-hmm. so i was just like really busy to go to the gym but he was worried because he was seeing other gyms getting traction in social media and he was like you know what you're really good at what you do. I had started the agency like two months before. And he was like, I'm going to get you a meeting with uh, the general manager. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Thank you. <laughs> Didn't know what I was doing, but I investigated their brand, saw their horrible website. And I know Fernanda is going to listen to this and she's going to text me like, I know our website was bad. Please don't tell everyone. <laughs> and um, I redesigned their website redesigned their Instagram, redesigned their social posts and did a bot, a bot demo for them. Created this huge PowerPoint, got all pretty, jumped on my car, went to one of the locations and my trainer told me she doesn't want to see you. And I was like, what do you mean? Well, she doesn't want to see you. And I was like, I'm already here. She's going to see me. And he was like, no, she she said, oh, she can't. She's too busy. And I was like, no, no, I will see her. 
And uh, I sat down. Um, he went and told her like, hey, Dunya, we now love each other. She's like an aunt to me. She is such an inspiration. She's such a badass woman. But that day I was like, this woman doesn't want to see me. So he went in <laughs> and he told her, Dunya, she's not leaving until you see her. I sat down and it was love at first sight. We just started talking. I showed her everything. And she was like, you know what? You're showing this to the boss. So a week later, I had a meeting with the owner and he was like, okay, let's do this. This looks awesome. And we've been together for two years and we're like family now. Wow. That's, that's such a great story about how you can build those relationships. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, I think, see agencies and the brands and the um, you know logos on their websites that they work with, not knowing the work that goes in to actually develop those relationships yeah. and those examples <laughs> of how they work together as well. So I'm glad that you've given a little bit of an insight for fellow agency owners out there. Um, so, so TBS Marketing then went and started working with Golds. And tell us a little bit how you integrated chat marketing and um, we touched on it before we jumped on the call around the Wallet Lee um, integration as well. I'm fascinated to hear a little bit more about that. So we were doing a bunch of strategies for the uh, the free trial, right? And it's not that it didn't seem to work. It was working compared to what was being done before because they didn't have a chatbot before. There was no way of intercommunicating the four locations back then. So, of course, it did work and it did um, increase sales due to the new system, which was amazing. But as soon as I came back from Conversations 2019, I remember seeing Philippe Lecoutre and David Sambor talking about Digital Wallet. I was like, I need to do this now. (laughs) And I went on the search bar in the community and I found Walletly tried to code it myself um, because I didn't know there was a template, texted Rupert and I was like, dude, I did something. We didn't know each other. We missed each other. Our theory is because I am too small and he's too tall. So we didn't see each other at conversations. (laughs) Like we were out of each other's sight. So he helped me out with that. We set that up and we migrated the entire free trial system into Walletly. So it was a mix of ads with Jason and Common Growth Tool, um, which redirected to a chatbot, offered you the service, and then gave you a Walletly card. We used push notifications. And I think the magic in this is that the push knots were not um, sales push knots. They were very like, it's Monday. Remember to stay hydrated this week. Have a good weekend. That sort of push knots. Right. So people were really responding to the gym, checking on their health and mental health. Because we would send things like, um, take a time for yourself. Just breathe take a time off work, something like that. Because I think the whole mental health thing is really resonating with people now. Mm. So they loved it. And we actually got 11,000% return on investment with that campaign (laughs) just by adding Walletly to it. Wow. So, (laughs) yeah, that's crazy. Um, 11,000 ROI. So how, because I'm fascinated to hear... I know with gyms, one of the hardest, um, and, and, and so many gyms I find have the same format of sales, right? Seven day trial salesperson, giving them a call, um, try to upsell them. Person does a seven day trial and they just sign up for a seven day trial at every single gym in their local mm-hmm. area. 
Um, I've, I've done this personally and, and I've got to finish this case study because right now, um, you know, we're recording this in October, but we're coming into summer in Australia and right now, Mm -hmm. every gym in my local area is pushing their summer bodies, uh, you know, summer challenge, eight week challenge programs. Right. So I'm getting an ad from every single local gym possible. And so Mm -hmm. I've personally gone out there and signed up to um and filled out the information um submitted my details just to see what the follow-up process is Mm -hmm. and to test them a little bit um and to see who does what they say they do yeah and who does better Mm -hmm. and to get some examples out there for my own personal selfishness but also for you know (laughs) to be able to implement this to other um clients as well down the track as good examples so how do you then, what sort of system did you come up with? And I can all but guarantee that those campaigns that I'm currently seeing are definitely not seen at 11,000% ROI. Yeah. So can you please give me some insight into how gyms out there can be doing a better job at getting yeah. an ROI? Yes. So starting um, with the whole Frank system, we take mental health and to account in every single strategy. So for gyms, we don't do body shaming. We despise body shaming. Get your summer body. I think mm. that's a horrible way to get clients. It's disgusting. Yep. So we yep. do more of a final way to distress. Find your community. Find your gym. Find your strength. Find your whatever. So that is always better for capturing people because that is something they can resonate with. You're not putting guilt into how they look. but you are putting guilt into how they are taking care of their body and soul, like the general aspect of it all. So it was a very, try it out. You deserve this. You deserve to feel great on the inside. And it was not like you need to look hot because that's. Mm. (laughs) And um, when people filled out the form on Walletly, of course we gathered a lot of data because that was, we were getting the email, we were getting the phone number. So we would send those out to the um, to the different gyms so these are the people who signed up and um what they would do is they would call everyone who didn't go and be like hey we're still waiting for you and it was also implemented into the chatbot so the date that they picked it was sent over to the ladies in the in the reception area so a bot would send out this is back then when you didn't need to do otns <laughs> yeah. so it would send out a message like hey your trial is tomorrow are you ready or do you need to reschedule so if they said i'm ready it just told them bring a towel bring a lot of water to hydrate and uh, just be prepared for your experience or something like that it was like very like just be prepared And um, they would get there and the follow-up process would just be the bot a week afterwards being like, hey, do you want to gossip how it was? Do you want to tell me how you felt? Mm -hmm. And it was not like, did you love our gym? Do you feel stronger? No, it was a very like, hey, so we're pals. Tell me, do you want to tell me something? Is there there some juicy gossip you want to tell me? (laughs) So everyone gave us a lot of feedback. Well, not everyone because people are bad but (laughs) we got a lot of feedback and uh, that was used for the sales ladies to call back or do the follow-up to the ones who did even um, good or intermediate answers so we got a lot of oh no I already enrolled I'm already a part of the gym I loved it but for the people who were like yes I loved it I'm just like in between jobs right now or doing something they gave them the proper follow-up already knowing that information like 
Hey, Dan, uh, we know you're in between jobs. We just wanted to tell you that right now we are offering a getting now, pay later, something like that. Yeah. So it was very yeah. personalized. Thanks to the information we gathered with the whole Walletly thing and chatbot part of it all. Right. And so how was, was that follow-up done um, after they gave the feedback? Was that done manually or was, was some of that automated? And then how did you combine the, the Walletly side of things with the chatbot yeah. as well? Okay. Yes, I think that's actually a very important question. I don't know why I always skip this, but part of the TBS service is that we actually design the customer support of the human side. So we do how you're going to do the bot to human handoff, how the handoff is going to be handled. So mm -hmm. we try to design from ad to phone or yep. from ad to text, like from the very beginning when you see the ad to the point where you're talking to a representative or you purchase. That is basically what interdepartmental marketing is about, which is the, um, the type of, of marketing that we invented. Mm -hmm. That is, it doesn't make sense to market just part of the funnel. You need to keep everything under one umbrella, even the sales agents or the secretaries or the receptionists, everything needs to be handled. Yep. So what we did is everyone got an automated questionnaire a week after they were supposed to go when they clicked, I am going tomorrow, of course. If they clicked, no, I'm gonna go later, it pestered them like at least once to reschedule and then it stopped if they didn't like, okay, you do you. but. When they got that uh, one week thing, most of the times that had already been called by the ladies, because what we did was um, we gave them the list of the people who had gotten the pass. They sent us a picture, literally a picture with their phones, because there was no time to install the Walletly thing on all over the phone. So I just told them, you know what, I'm going to do it myself. Send me the pictures of the coupons. And we did that part ourselves. Yep. So when yep. they got that, they would know like, okay, I need to do the follow-up on this person because it's been a week. They had that written down because you need to keep in mind, people, dear listeners, that this was back when digital coupons were just starting out. So of course, we I love you, Rupert. Please don't hate me for this. But we were not really sure the data collection was going to work well. <laughs> so we did comparisons on what we got on Walletly and what they wrote down at the gym. Of course it went perfectly, but <laughs> they did have that data as well to just cross check who was doing what. Yeah, that um, Rupert we've had in the podcast and he's a very smart guy. And after hopping off that call, I was like, yeah, I can definitely trust what this guy builds. He just has one of those brains that happens to make sure that everything's just ready to go mm -hmm. and a very impressive um, person. Um, yeah. Did you use any of the location-based uh, notifications in Walletly um, at all to, to build on that? Yeah, because that's I, I think that's almost like a it's for, for gyms or for physical-based businesses, that's kind of the next frontier, right, to be able to, to send some of those notifications. So there you go. It might be the next, the next step in building out um, when people are – and I was fascinated in um, Rupert's interview. He's like, you can drop pins on a map. So I'm like, yeah. if you're a gym, like, go to the local gym down the road and mm -hmm. drop a pin on their map and then, you know, be like, Oh, Hey, hanging out with the, with the enemy. Hey, like, uh -huh. <laughs> how about you come back, um, come back and see us. Yeah. It's um, brilliant. I know it's brilliant. yeah, yeah. The technology is, is really impressive. And so was there anything that stood out in that campaign that, um, it, you could put your finger on it. That was the reason why you had 
such impressive ROI or was it just all the little pieces together that happened to work really well? I think it was a little bit of, of all the little pieces working together, but the key factor was the fact that people had, even if it's digital, a coupon feels physical, you know, yeah. like your digital card, it feels like it's yours, like you're going to miss out. Like if you don't use it, if you don't implement it, then it's gone forever. And I lost something that was my property. Um, we were not offering discounts. Just as a little quick tit bit, which is a Budblon thing, the Budblon hashtag quick tit bit. Don't do <laughs> discounts because discounts don't feel like they're your property. Like, oh, okay, so I can just save this much money. But when you're giving them something, like if you say, for example, uh, you have $30 to spend in our store in purchases or whatever, it feels like you have already been given a physical good that you can use so you can take advantage of. So it's the exact same thing with digital wallet cards. It's yours, it's your property, it lives on your phone and it's there. So that I would say is the key point to any campaign that uses Walletly, that your clients have something that is theirs to implement and to own. Yeah, that's actually a really great tip. And um, uh, we pro- I probably should have, preface this when we're talking about Walletly that if people haven't gone back and listened to the episode please do but the Walletly <laughs> is the inbuilt program that's on phones that you use to you have your debit card and you have all of your tickets and you may have an old flight ticket in there on your phone they live there people barely delete them it's a notification based system yeah. um Rupert does a really good job of explaining exactly how it works. So I encourage you to go back and mm-hmm. check out that listen uh, that episode and we'll have the links in the show notes. Um, interested in looking back, you know, uh, you're an industrial engineer, going into a family business, um, into marketing, evolving now into TBS marketing and, and the interdepartmental inter- um, marketing um, <laughs> and coming up with your systems. How much of your um success do you owe to the rise of chatbots like where would you have been if if chat marketing wasn't a thing do you think because it seems to suit your personality and your 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 brand very well that's a hard one because okay this actually is going to get very emotional and very personal Mm. but i would say that chat marketing saved me in a lot of ways because I've always been the type of person that has a very small um, friend group, very like selective with people. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm very obnoxious about my nerdiness and my geekiness. So I'm very selective <laughs> with people. I love and, that. <laughs> and when I got into chatbots and I went to Conversations 2018, like I, I can seem like a big personality, but I'm a nerd. I'm an engineer. I am super shy and super socially anxious. So I told a friend, you're going with me, a Costa Rican friend who has nothing to do with marketing. He went with me to Conversations 2018. And the community that I found there, the feminism that I found there, how they were empowering women in chat, women in tech, women as sisters, women just supporting each other, owning not only their brains, not only their companies, but their sexualities, their bodies, their everything. It was magical. Like it was really magical. Mm. So I do not think think that I would have the love of marketing that I have today if I hadn't found Chad Marketing because it's just 
the one thing that puts everything together. It's the piece that marketing was missing because everyone was doing the exact same thing. Everyone was just doing beautiful graphics with really expensive ads and really good copy. But that was it. They were not taking into consideration how the sale was going to go through, how they were going to talk to people, the questions they needed answered immediately. So everything you heard from when you hired an agency, I hired, I think it was three or four agencies when I was marketing assistant. Um, and they were all useless because they would all tell you like, yeah, we take care of your comments. We help you with your inbox. But it would still take hours. They would never give the proper uh, responses. So being able to own that part yourself as a company, when I found the common growth tool, <gasps> life changed forever, 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 forever. And I was just like, you know what, as a business owner, or well, I wasn't a business owner back then, but as a person who has grown in a family owned business, that I have been a part of every little bit of the company because I started out in there when I was 12. I was like, you know what, this is the missing link. This is going to bring everything together. That's where I coined the term interdepartmental marketing because chat marketing lets you bring everyone together from the people who clean the company up to the managers and the owners. Like everyone has to be uh, connected. Everyone has to know what is going on because whoever asks a question at the official company at the stores needs to get the same response that they would get on social. So when everyone at the company knows what is being sent out in the bot and the people in digital are getting the same responses, it just makes everything so beautiful and it, it prices sales by itself. Having that interdepartment, it's so complicated. I can barely even say inter, <laughs> interdepartmental um, platform and, and system, but um, going back to, you know, um, the rise of the chat market and the chat marking community, it's a really special story. And thank you for sharing that because it's, I think it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. It's one of the things that I've noticed in the chat marketing community is that it's a community like I haven't been part of before. I always describe it is that, you know, there's, a, there's dozens, hundreds of different Facebook advertising groups out there. Um, it's always, I find it incredibly frustrating, infuriating to see some of the tips, tactics, and just the, I call it the dude culture um, yeah. in them. And then finding many chat conversations, the chat marketing mm -hmm. groups. And we're all friends. That's the difference. We're all yeah. Friends. Cause it's so early. And so, and, and, you know, I know people have been in it for years, but it's still, it's still, we're in still early stages <laughs> still for a chat marketing thing. Um, yeah. But the community and, you know, looking at the list of speakers in conversations and I want to touch on, and some of our other guests have touched on this as well, is that it's a diverse um, highly female orientated um, community yep. and the experts and the female led experts are the leaders in this industry. And mm -hmm. it fits. I find it so much more enjoyable to be a part of so much easier to learn from um, so much more um, comfortable to be able to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes to the fact that you are dealing one-on-one -on -one with people and yeah, females are much better at having those conversations and knowing how to understand people stereotypically, mm -hmm. not everyone, yeah. but often a lot better <laughs> than the dude culture out there that treat people as a numbers on a spreadsheet mm -hmm. or in an ads manager and a ROAS yeah. number. Um, mm -hmm. So I really want to, 
um, reiterate that fact for the people out there that are like on the edge of getting involved or maybe are feeling a little bit, um, you know, overwhelmed by the options out there and not Mm -hmm. sure where to start. The people out there want to help. And it's people like yourself, Bot Blondes, um, the other guests that we've had on um, the podcast and the speakers there that have really pushed that. So um, on behalf of the overall community, thank you um, for doing that. And um, (laughs) I'm really glad that it's made a a big personal impact on yourself as well because it goes back to why we do what we're all trying to do in this chat marketing space. Trust me, for for the listeners, you're going to find a family within ManyChat. We all started from the same point. Um, Many of the speakers this year are people I consider friends, people I adore, people I admire, people I have known for three years. And it's a matter matter of we have grown together. We have Mm. evolved together. Our companies have flourished. I hate that word, together. So when you start going to this type of events from a company that takes so much time to take care of its clients to a point where like, I don't feel like a ManyChat user. I don't feel like a ManyChat platform client. I feel like I'm a part of ManyChat. And I didn't know how, how true that was until I was working on a report. I think it was last night because we did a quiz called the Bottometer. I don't know if you took it. How many points did you get? Uh, no, yeah. I haven't yet. No, no, no. I, see, I saw write, the presentation. Go write I need to go games do that. into Octo and go take it. Okay. So, <laughs> we did this quiz just at the to send it out or to ask people to fill it out at the end of conversations to see if they could get wizard status, which is getting every yeah. answer correct, right? And um, we got the the data, and I was like, you know what, you guys, this is what we got in responses. Everyone did really well. Um, if anyone from product wants to go deeper into the type of, of answers that we got, blah, blah, blah. So I jumped on a call with Mitya, who is one of the product managers. We went deep into this and we wanted to like really do a very nice report on how everyone did. And when I was doing this report, I wrote our clients. Our clients said this, our clients clicked this button. And I'm not an employee of that company. I'm just really in love with the company. Mm. I love my friends there. I have female friends like Farah, Juliana, Oksana, Tamila, who are amazing people, amazing women, people like Arina, Ira, who are part of the of the uh, product team. And they are so smart. They are so empowering. They fuel your fire. So I think that's a general consensus from all of us. Like we don't feel like we're clients. We feel like we're part of the company. Yeah. And it's, it's so unique for a company like that. I mean, they've now got over 1.8 million um, businesses, res- over 2 million users, like, but you don't feel like part of that number and you kind of still feel like many chat is a grassroots company mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day. So uh, I, I think that's a, a piece of feedback for the many chat team, but also it's, it's a c- consistent piece of feedback <laughs> chatting to everyone um, out there about this industry and, and about chat marketing in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start to wrap up, but one of the questions I like to ask people on their their overall journey where they've got to is how much of your success comes down to hard work and how much comes down to just pure luck, being at the right place at the right time? Okay, so this one's going to go in another direction. 
because I think it is a matter of the family I was born into. And I'm super honest about this. When people ask me like, oh, you got clients really quick. I'm not going to tell people, oh, I was a really good salesperson. No, I wasn't. I was a child, but I had contacts. We call mm. it la roja in Spanish, basically the ring. So I had contacts. I had family friends. I had people I could introduce my services to. I have a group that we are children and grandchildren of uh, business owners here, of like very legacy type businesses. So they were there to support me. So I always tell people that because I feel like there's a very big stigma that you have to be a really good salesperson. But no, everyone knows somebody, you know somebody, everyone has somebody they can talk to to start their businesses. And um, it's really important to keep that in mind. I suffer from imposter syndrome a lot. And everyone needs to consider that they are good at what they do. You're not going to get sales right away. So I am honest about that bit. Yeah. Did I evolve? Yeah. Did I grow? Did I learn from my peers how to be better? Yes. Do I have a strong personality? Yes. And do I like what I do? Yes. So for you to succeed in a chat marketing agency, you need to love chat marketing, breathe chat marketing, just love every aspect of it. Really love the people you're going to be helping and how you're going to be helping them. And don't do ads for your agency because if you're just starting out, that's not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Go face to face or call to call or Zoom to Zoom and introduce yourself. Tell them what you're going to be helping them with. Like I told you before, everyone has a friend that has a friend. Everyone yeah. knows somebody that knows somebody. You don't need to start with a $2,000 a month client. You can start like I did with a $250 a month client, which I kept for a year. And then I got another $250 a month client that I kept for a year. And then when TBS was born, I started getting bigger sort of clients. Yeah. But it takes time and effort and love. Yeah. And, and by the sounds of a lot of consistency and a lot of hard work and desire to, yeah. to be able to implement yeah. what you do, right? Mm -hmm. You don't sleep. You have a lot of stress. You get a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. And if you're good at what you do, you're going to get anxiety from your client's anxiety. Because yep. if they tell you we're having issues, we are, for example, now during the pandemic, I love to be my client's pillow to cry on. So when they're like, hey, Trilce, so we're having to fire some people in this location and we feel so bad about that. I am the person they call yep. and you absorb all that sadness, all the negativity so they don't have to, I don't know, like just take it themselves. You're, you're mm -hmm. there to be their buffer. And if you're good at what you do and if you love what you do, you're not going to care about that because you are there to support, to be a partner, to be a friend, to be a companion. So if you're doing this for the money, go in another direction because it's not going to go well for you. Do it for the people, do it for the relationships, do it for the friendship and do it for the friends you're going to make here. Yeah. I think that's, that's such a great note um, to finish on and, and speaks to, why you've had success because you are approaching it from a relationship perspective, a, a, um, a position you're not seeing clients as dollars on a spreadsheet or in mm -hmm. your bank account. And it's and by the grace uh, of Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it's a credit to you um, and the success that you've had. And thank you for sharing that, particularly the, the, uh, 
the mental health awareness side of things for being a business owner, which is, I think is a conversation that needs to happen more often and um, needs to be more transparent and more open because it's not perfect. It's, it's, it's never going to be a consistent, you know, ride. It's a roller coaster Mm -hmm. just because chat marketing is new and it may have um, more people excited and have more attention. We still face the same challenges that every other industry does um, from mm-hmm. a marketing perspective. So I really appreciate you sharing that um, and the background. And it's a fascinating story as to how you've you've evolved into, um, you know, and I've learned a lot about you today, um, you know, because, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, when I saw you as presenting in conversations and as part of the Bot Blondes, and you yeah. say, like, I'm a big personality, I'm... You know, and and I know you're the um you're the pocket rocket in the um the trio <laughs> of the bot blondes. Um, but you seem to have one of the more powerful personalities. But for you to, you know, be open and transparent to say that you have anxiety issues and it's so sh- and to be able to you want to find um that community, uh, I really appreciate. It's a, it's an insight into people and a background into we're all just human beings at the end of the day, yeah, right? We're all just human beings, and like we said before find your community, find your people. I can tell you that um, people that have been on this podcast are my rocks, are my support when I'm feeling down. Um, I had, for example, I had to fire an employee and I had, I was so sad about it. I was so conflicted about it. And Angela was actually the one who guided me through the process with help of my dad, who also helped me with it Mm -hmm. because I was literally unable to do it on my own. I was so scared, so anxious. And people like Rupert, like Paul Barron, like Lauren, um, have just been such an, a basic part of my life for over a year now that they're like my brothers and my sisters. And this came because of a platform. Yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting, <laughs> isn't it? A little piece of software has driven those relationships. Yeah. Oh, and Robert yeah. and Luis, because if I don't mention them, they will kill me as well. But they're my other Latinos whom I love. They're like my hermanitos. Yeah, nice. I love it. We're going to get a lot more people on the podcast from a lot of different backgrounds because I'm interested in hearing all of their different stories out there. And, and your story's um, been really interesting and I've really enjoyed chatting to you today. Lastly, where can people find you, chat to you? We've got the Bot Blondes. We'll have a link to the Bot Blondes in there. But personally, if they want to reach um, you and, and work with you, where can they find out more info? Uh, they can find me on my Instagram. I know this is going to be controversial to say, but I'm not on Facebook that much. I don't check my <laughs> messenger, basically, because I get a lot of notifications from my bots. So I never know who's writing there and I avoid it. That's so find me on my on my Instagram at Trilce Giron. Just my name. Like you're, yeah. I'm the only one you're going to find. Uh, if you guys want to know more about our strategies, the amazing copywriter from ManyChad, Mike Keenan, who is also my sole brother and sister and everything in the world. Um, He has done some really good blogs on blog.manychat.com on the Frank system and different things that the community does. So for everyone who is starting out, Mikey has you covered. Go to blog.manychat.com. Blog.manychat.com. Sorry, ESL. And you're going to find a guiding light and a guiding angel in the genius words of Mike Keenan and Farah. And um, yeah, that's, that's going to be your starting point. <laughs> Amazing. Lovely. Thank you so much um, for your time today. I really appreciate learning more about you, about your background and how you're getting results out there for clients. So keep up the great work and thank you so much once again.
Thank you. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Chelsea of TBS Marketing in Costa Rica. Really interesting person, really interesting space and has some amazing results. The show notes with all the links and the resources that we mentioned in this episode can be found at marketingpodcast.chat forward slash session 10. That's marketingpodcast.chat forward slash session 10. Hey, I've got a favor to ask. Have you enjoyed the first few episodes of this podcast? If so, I'd love for you to help out other chat marketers and make it easier for them to find the podcast by leaving a review. You can head to the website at marketingpodcast.chat and find the links to iTunes to leave a review. We've got some great interviews coming up. Until then, take care. We'll chat to you soon.